Dr. Julia Stam from the Futures Project is my guest today. If there's two words that talk about the Future Project, it's innovate and impact. My name is Donna Jones. Welcome to the Insights to Action Inspirational Insights podcast program, where we're looking at the big picture. What can we do that will help achieve, nudge, push along, think about systemic change so that out of any kind of disruption like a pandemic or anything else, we can tackle the big issues, climate change amongst others, but but certainly become better through them. Dr. Julia Stam, can we ask, how did you start the Futures Project? How did this all begin? It's a long story. I'll try to be brief as possible. I have a background mainly in political science, international relations and, and sociology. And I basically spent my entire career in research and academia, then trying to make sure that different disciplines actually get together when it comes to looking at the challenges that we're facing. This was something that was rather new. It's something that in the corporate world has been around and is recognized as being important since quite a while. But in academia, it's something that certainly took a while. Having this background in social science and humanities in particular, I always you know, found it very important that we integrate these perspectives into how to addressing climate change, how to address the changes in society, and how to actually find solutions. This approach within research has been accompanying me for a number of years. Later on, I've um, realized that it's an issue not only within science, but it's actually an issue that goes a little beyond this, that we as humans have the tendency of being very specialized and working in silos. And it's very difficult for us to leave those silos behind. Although when we want to make a change, we really want to think about solutions that last and that are not just fixing an issue, but that actually eradicate the problem itself. It's not enough just to go one way, but we really have to think much broader and understand where do problems come from and bring in expertise from different angles, understanding the problem together from different perspectives, then building on this, try to find solutions. After having worked in the European institutions, I've then started to work as an independent consultant, trying to bridge the gap in particular between research and policymaking, research and uh, civil society research, and also the business world. Uh, A number of other things have shown me how actually how difficult it is to do this kind of translation work, but also how important and how essential. I've also had the chance uh, to really work beyond Europe. I'm a German national, basically never really worked in Germany. I've always worked in in European contexts, then also at the international level. And to me, this is something that's really rewarding. And to understand that you and I, you, we share a lot of things, but we are very blessed to actually be able to exchange with one another and to talk to one another is something that I've always wanted to see in, in the work that I'm doing. From the outset, I've been very keen to work on an international level and to try to bring together people from different contexts when it comes to sectors, but also from countries. I've had the opportunity to put together the uh, Think Tank Summit under the G20 presidency, which was a very interesting event for me. It showed me that conferences are a great way to bring people together, but it's not necessarily the best way in terms of having a long lasting impact. So I thought what I would really like to do is to build an organization that does exactly this, that brings together a very different angles, a very reflecting angle. Where do we stand? Where do we want to go? How do we want to see the future evolve in a very values-driven way? And then think about the implementation. How do we get there? And what actually are the innovations and technologies that we need to get there? I have been attending some business summits where we were speaking about innovations that sort of make the world move forward. Too often I've seen that what they do is just not you know, what they pretend to do. It's great things, but it's not something that helps us move forward or, or work towards better futures for people and planet. This is ultimately what we want to do with the Futures Project. 
And we really want to empower the people who are driving the change, the innovators that work around the clock, around the world to actually fix issues and not just fix them, but really try to identify very systemic solutions. I think the, the systemic solutions part is the question. Certainly in, in business, there's this whole thing around innovate, but don't change. So the language is good, but the, the, the implementation is not great. <laughs> to, to, in my observation, at least, it takes a level of courage. It takes a level of, of a mindset that serves as we're going to learn our way through this. We, and just openly admit that we mm-hmm. know everything is interconnected. So it means mm-hmm. we have to learn from the connections. We have to learn to sense them and to see them. I love your description of, of just using diversity to see, you know, complexity. You're looking at it from many different angles. What do you think is the greatest challenge for decision makers today in the context of moving from the everything was in a straight line, very causal, to looking at things as basically interconnected? I think there are several challenges. So first of all, it's very difficult if you were speaking about policymakers to actually see the big picture. We're more trained to looking at things in a rather narrow way. I think we would need some training to actually be able to to, to grasp the big picture. And there are so many things going on. So I would think, also think there is some kind of training needed. And uh, we certainly don't get this kind of training. We also don't get it at school. We're still, you know, trying to learn things by heart. I see this with my children. It's not that our education systems would have adapted to the challenges that we're, that we're facing. Also, I think we need to bring back a degree of responsibility for decision makers and for decision makers really at all levels. The things that I'm doing have an impact as a policymaker, for instance. I should look beyond the next elections and really look into the next generation. So this is my role as a policymaker, I think. Also, this is very difficult. What we see around us is very short-term thinking, which is really dominant because it's so difficult to actually anticipate. I really have a lot of understanding for it. But again, it's not really a solution. Trying to get support and being aware of the fact that there is more to the issue than just narrow entries, but that I really have to make an effort in order to understand the complexity of the world that we are facing. I also need to be able to listen you know, to people who might have this understanding. When you look at the funding landscape, for instance, it's more or less the same thing. Our funding structure, when I look at the European context, are very topic-driven, right? So you are funding in climate change or you're funding to fight against climate change or you're funding to address health issues or you're supporting education and all these things are fantastic and great but they go against this holistic understanding and systemic thinking so for organizations or for people or for innovators entrepreneurs change makers who actually try to bring about change in a very systemic way it's very difficult to find leverages and to find uh, ways to actually be supported We need new education, we need another thinking, we need to bring back responsibility. I woke up this morning with this polarity picture, short-term thinking and (laughs) long-term. So it's really funny that you mentioned this because (laughs) our temptation is to see it as duality. It's Mm -hmm. either short or it's long. Mm -hmm. And I think we just have to keep inserting it and and put these polarities to work for us and and use them as as a way to create better balance. Yeah, it was very clear with the corona that in terms of how governments, how countries have reacted, it was, you know, predominantly about short term reactions to the crisis. But it would have been a moment to go a little beyond this and to actually include this long term thing. We really didn't use this chance. But what we saw is that things are possible. We saw many things happening that before were just not possible because it's Monday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's no excuse anymore. You can do things. And we have seen a lot of very interesting experiments in the context of the last uh, year and a half. But for me, really, the the reaction in particular of governments to the crisis was a a perfect example of this short-term thinking and missing the chance to really go deeper into issues and to actually understand the interconnectedness and not just fixing things, for instance, by throwing money somewhere, 
which you know is not eradicating the roots of the problem. No, I used to be the director of communications for a federal agency. So mm -hmm. when you watch the media come out with what the media comes out with, you can literally see the backroom conversations around how to calm the public nervous system, mm -hmm. that we're going to base our communications on, on how to make sure everyone stays calm, not necessarily on fact <laughs> or, mm -hmm. or reality, mm -hmm. but just what's it going to take to calm the nervous system of the public. A year ago, we tried to put out something that said, call to action, we've got an opportunity here. As long as you've got a bigger sense of purpose, either in yourself or your organization, mm -hmm. you can use that to really ramp up a mm -hmm. better way of living, a better way of life in the world. So many opportunities that are available to us. Now, you've got this interesting award system project. Tell us more about that. This is actually an initiative that we took last year. 2020 was an interesting year for us because I started the Futures Project in 2019. 2020 was supposed to be the first year of our, of our amazing work. And of course, all the great plans that we had broke down in March 2020. But what we did, and I'm very proud of this, was to launch this call. We entitled at the time a global call to action for innovators for the future. Our main thinking was to say we would like to shed light on people around the world who are already doing fantastic work in terms of long-lasting and futures-driven impact and who are also doing this right now in the crisis. The crisis is not just everything is horrible, but there are people who are doing fantastic work and they're also doing this despite the crisis and even because of the crisis and the work they do has become maybe even more important. We said we want to use this to share messages of hope that was our main motive, messages of hope of the wonderful things that people, entrepreneurs, innovators around the world are working on. So we launched this call, building on the SDGs, because this is what the Futures Project is all about. We want to contribute to the Agenda 2030. We don't work on specific SDGs, but we want to address everything. We have some pillars that I will you know, not go into detail with. It's life and empowerment in society. We have this very systemic approach. We're not focusing on individual issues. We said we look for innovations around the world who are improving the life of communities right now, but with a very clear vision towards the future. That was also what made our approach different. We have asked our applicants to actually think about their vision for the future, to say, how do you want to see your country, the world, nature, planet, people, context, interaction? How do you want to see this? And how does what you are working on actually contribute to achieving? We received a lot of feedback afterwards that even the ones who didn't make it to the final rounds said just the fact that we had to sit down for a number of hours and talk amongst us with our teams about why do we do what we want to do and how does this fit into the big picture was already very rewarding and helped us for our project or for our uh, service. We launched this call in May 2020, and as we had just started our operation, so an organization that basically no one knows, and we received within a very short time frame 600 applications from 92 countries, which is still something Lovely. that I find very difficult to believe, and I'm very humbled by that. Then we had the luck of working with an amazing team of volunteers around the world who were helping us a system of evaluation with experts cross-sectoral, because it's important for us that it's not only someone from science who looked at it, but also something who has the business background or who has the geographic background to really be able to assess and to look at the different organizations and projects in a very meaningful and, and uh, systemic way. Throughout the next couple of months, it took long, I have to say, because we had been experimenting with the format. At the end of the day, we identified 62 organizations as our semi-finalists, whom we presented in the context of the 75th anniversary of the UN last year. Out of these, and through another round of selection, uh, we presented our top 18. These 18 organizations are our 2020 cohort of innovators for the future. And 
We're very proud to be work, able to work with them. They represent all kinds of sectors. They have the systemic thinking. So while they might have chosen to work on education, they are very conscious of the fact that the issue they are solving is actually interlinked to many others. This is also what made them stand out among others, of course. We have slightly more female founders than men, which is something that I also like <laughs> because uh, female empowerment is certainly an issue that is very close to my heart. We're covering pretty much all continents already with our A team. What I love to, what I really enjoy seeing is that despite them being very different in terms of where they come from, in terms of their experiences, in terms of the topics they are working on, they all have a common understanding of the issues that we're facing. They all share this commitment and this passion and this energy and this systemic understanding. They already work together and exchange on the challenges that they're facing and help one another. This is really also what it's all about. It's about creating a community. You know, putting the spotlights on these people who are really working on the ground to make changes. I think they don't get enough of it. They need to get more because these are the people, these are the change makers that we need to support. Absolutely. Can you give us a story or two? There are so many different stories. For instance, one of them is an organization that is headquartered in the UK, but they're working a lot with organizations around the world. It might seem a trivial subject, but it's not. What they strive to do is to build or to utilize alumni. Coming from our very privileged backgrounds, it's a no-brainer that the schools that we have been attending, there are alumni networks, so there are people that we can turn to, our previous professors, friends, students. In some countries, it's more developed than in others. It's so helpful and it's so important when you want to move within sectors or across organizations, etc., to have these networks. And so this organization really works across the planet to build networks of enablers, of mentors, building on academic institutions, an organization that is uh, headquartered in Marseille and in South Africa, are striving to improve cities and improve citizenship in cities. What they do is to work Again, with, with people and with communities that normally would never interact with one another. They bring together the young generation in prison, for instance, and have them meet business school graduates and let them work on joint projects for their communities. They identify the issues that the communities have together and try to identify joint solutions. So these would be two examples. We have other very fascinating projects around education platforms or around new materials in order to decrease waste. Another one is about using bamboo as the forest, building materials for the future. There are so many different um, stories. I really feel very privileged to be able to have them around me and have them work with us and share their stories. I would like to dive in a, um, a little bit into what we mean by systemic change, because mm -hmm. when I think about it, having grown up as a daughter of a nature photographer and spent a lot mm -hmm. of time in the bush, it comes as second nature. You don't think about it. And yet you can see that if you push over here, there's a lot of things that can happen. Mm -hmm. When you talk about systemic change, and particularly when you look at these large issues, the seriously complex issues, mm -hmm. what is the common understanding of what we're talking about? How would you frame it up? First of all, I really see the SDGs as a systemic system. The SDGs in themselves are already a roadmap, I would say, to help us navigate the complexity of this world. This is what systemic thinking is all about. Help us navigate the complexity and really understanding that it's like a body, actually. The body, the head doesn't function without, without the heart and without the nerves, etc. Everything is interlinked. And this is a picture that I like to compare this to the body, where everything actually has to work with one another, and you can't just cut the arm and it will not work on its own. 
I know there is a lot of science out there around systems thinking and, you know, what you need to do, how this looks. I started to read this and it, I find it way too complex and way too difficult. Although I have a scientific background, I think I have more of a simple approach. To me, it's just something that is so natural. It's just something you say, okay, we really have to understand what's going on around us. You have to understand things out there in the open. You just have to always under the surface in order to really find the problem that's hurting to children. And what I love about them is that they always ask questions about why are things the way they are and they just don't take it for granted. Sometimes I think they do have this, maybe naturally, and we might lose this as we grow up. I don't know. It's not a scientific analysis, but it's something that I've started to see you now asking, okay, why is this the case? And why isn't that the problem? Or why isn't that the solution? To me, it's something, you know, I've always seen this as something that just needs to be done and needs to happen. And I just could never really understand why it's not. It's so difficult to actually see the fact that there are interconnections while I fully understand that it's difficult to actually understand them and grasp them and tackle them. But the fact that we can't look at issues in isolation and problems in isolations, this is something that I've always considered as rather obvious. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I, I think it takes us to the conversation around if we look at interrelationships as being one of the core aspects of the big picture, then the next question is how we actually look at impact. Because I noticed that a lot of the decisions, certainly the decisions to get made in the short term, do not weigh impact. So mm-hmm. A lot of companies during the uh, mm-hmm. pandemic let their people go so they could give the money mm. to their shareholders and mm. themselves. Mm-hmm. It's short-term a way to sabotage a company yeah. you can possibly find. Yeah. Let's talk about impact then yeah. and systemic change because mm. there's the business decision maker that's sitting there going, well, I'm focused entirely on my yeah. next quarter and that's all that matters. And if yeah. I get there, great. Yeah. And then you've got the policymaker mm-hmm. uh, who is trying to, to, to develop policies for governments that steer us closer to being mm-hmm. able to handle the emissions and mm-hmm. some of these mm-hmm. issues. Maybe I'll share a very short story first before I talk about impact. Uh, in the beginning of 2020, I just started operations. I went to Davos to the World Economic Forum to talk about our work. Uh, it was an interesting experience, just walking through this little village. And um, you had all these major companies with their posters against the walls, huge. They were all talking about, we are saving the planet and we're addressing the SDGs and we're doing this and that. And I was just walking there and I said, if just half of what's standing there would be translated into actions, we would be in a much better position than we are now. Impact to me needs to be connected to the well-being of people and planet and ecosystems. Otherwise, I don't think it's impact that is worth talking about. It's not just about a new product on the market. I think also when you measure impact, you need to take into consideration several dimensions. Of course, you need to look into very concrete and tangible benefits, but very often it's not always very easy to measure the impact, right? And I think sometimes you do have a very simplistic approach to actually say the impact of the work that I'm doing, it translates into creating 2,000 jobs, as long as you put numbers on it. Of course, I do understand that numbers are important, but actually impact is also about how does what I'm doing actually affect society and affect behavior, this evaluation also needs to take into consideration values and behavior changes. This is something that is still lacking because it's so difficult to actually grasp and measure this. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. What do you think is changing though? We were having a conversation with the, mm-hmm. the Great Work Cultures community. Mm-hmm. We were mm-hmm. just talking about the change in the labor force as a, as a consequence of, of people have had enough taste of autonomy 
at least this is my interpretation for the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, they've had enough experience with autonomy that they're saying, I'm not going to go back into a bad workplace. There's an eco anxiety that the younger generations are holding. The older generations haven't really decided they're not responsible somehow. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure what's going on there, but something's mm -hmm. going on. I would like to take up the word that you mentioned earlier, namely purpose. This is what I see very clearly, in particular with the younger generation, but not only, but certainly more with the younger generation. In particular, uh, the work that we are doing is very appealing. It's very appealing to young people who say, I want to do something with my life. It's not about earning huge sums of money, but I want to be proud of what I'm doing. We receive a lot of applications and many people are volunteering to work with us because they believe in the mission and they believe in this ideal of actually trying to make a change and they want to contribute. I have a wonderful colleague in France who is working very closely with me, who used to be more, you know, on the business side of people, the more hardcore business side. He told me something interesting. He said, I have a daughter now and she is little. And when she was underway, I started thinking differently. I started thinking differently about the work that I'm doing. And I said, what kind of a planet do I leave my daughter? And this is what made me change. Now I want different things that I wanted beforehand. Now I want to do something that lasts. I want to do something that she can be proud of when she knows that her dad has been, you know, trying to put all his efforts into making impact in the sense that I was just describing. I would say there is a lot of hope out there. I see things are really moving and there is pressure also. There is pressure from society, from consumers who say it's not just about buying a product, but we also want to see what is the ethical attitude of the company that's behind. What are they doing and how serious and how honest are they? and what they're doing. Yeah, that idea of bringing purpose back or bringing purpose into the work we're doing, I think is really essential. That's a trend that I think has been increased by the corona crisis. And it's, it's something that I think will definitely last and maybe even get more important. Yeah, it's purpose plus transparency. Mm -hmm. I yes. think, you know, absolutely. It, yes. If you don't have the transparency, no. you end up in Davos with a lot of good signs. No, it's, it's about being honest and, you know, and being transparent. Visibility is an important part of the story. I really appreciate what you said about understanding the big picture, because I know in my business conversations, when I ask them what they're looking and scanning, it's a very small picture. And I just honestly don't know how you function with that, because that's not going to prepare you for what comes down the pipe, because you're not able to see it. The, the lens is mm. too small. What do you think um, lies ahead on the immediate term? The patterns have been broken with the pandemic. Do you think we've got enough of a pause to know that we can actually use this space to evolve? and to adapt simultaneously? Or is there such a strong temptation to roll back to the familiar that we're dealing with more of an undertow than I'd like to think about right now? <laughs> Well, that's a difficult one. You're asking the realist versus the optimist. <laughs> well, you know, what's the intuitive sense given the viewpoint you have? So I always tend to be an optimist. Otherwise, I wouldn't do the work that I'm doing. Otherwise, I'd, you know... <laughs> You end up depressed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I hope that we will have learned a lot of lessons. Looking around me, I also see that a lot of things haven't changed. But I have a lot of trust also in the next generations, in the people that I see working with me, and really hope that they will keep up the fight and keep up the pressure. It's definitely, I would say there is hope, but we need to be vigilant. We need to be awake and we need to increase the visibility and in particular, the collaboration. Something that I found very intriguing is when I started the Futures Project, someone asked me, but aren't there already organizations out there who do this? And I said, you know, I don't think there is one that does exactly the same thing, but I'm sure there are organizations that are close to what we're doing. And that's actually great. I would love to see as many organizations and possible, hopefully, all working into the same direction, because otherwise there will be no change. I would like to, to emphasize 
It is about collaboration. It's not about competition. It's really about joining forces and trying to get the ball rolling together and to explain and to be out there and to be supportive. What gives me hope also for the work that we are doing, I am supported by the most amazing people who are there, who hold my hand, who are there when I'm tired and depressed and frustrated, who say the work is important and let's move forward. I would end with a message of hope and optimism. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're very so welcome, more, Donna. For more information, people can go to the Futures Project. It's on LinkedIn uh, and on Twitter. Any one thought that you'd like to leave um, listeners with respect to what people themselves can do? Because it's, these issues are big. They're a bit daunting. They are complex. So the entry point is not mm. clear. Can you leave with a sense of what where they can focus their energies? First of all, it's always, I think, about personal uh, interests. Look at something that you personally believe in and where you would like to make a change. It can be a very small thing, but the important thing is to get started. I read a quote this morning, and I think it's a very well-known one, but it's still fantastic. If you want to change, you need to start by doing something. When I speak to students and they are afraid, master thesis is in front of them, I always tell them, you know, It's not about climbing the mountain at once. It's about just starting to climb and always looking at the next issue in front of you. You'll reach that one and it won't be that difficult. Then you focus on the other one and the following one. And then you realize you're on top of the mountain. Focus on what you want to do next and try to find like-minded people and and really build coalitions and synergies. synergies. Join movements, you know, (laughs) movements that, that are aimed at achieving a positive beneficial goal for all of us. Very big important times i think but we're always looking for partners who who support our work <laughs> and join the call that is important as the founder and the person steering this organization this is a big part of my work i'm always looking for people who would like to join forces who would like to support us in one way or another who would like to donate who would like to partner with us on the fellowship program on the call who would like to give us a platform thank you for so, being on the program julie Thank you so much, Donna. It was a pleasure. There's an old saying that goes, these are either the best of times or the worst of times. I would suggest that these are the best of times, depending on how we work with them. It's an opportunity to really rethink how we work in the world, how we relate to one another in the world, the way in which we embrace diversity and of all life, including human life, of course, the way in which we see one another and the way in which we make decisions. I, in the last few weeks, have seen a number of decisions that have had a negative impact on community and it has reinforced, again, the need to re- Advise how decisions are made to more of a future orientation, meaning either value-based or principle. I think the same holds true for tackling global issues. We are really looking at thinking non-linearly to really look at things systemically, which, as Julia pointed out, is not something that is natural for most people. I think it's an opportunity to make things natural, to actually invest time in seeing the world through an understanding that every single decision we make has an impact somewhere. If you enjoy this program, please share it. You can give us a review on iTunes. If you have any situations that require a different look, a different way of seeing things, a novel approach, 
or are willing to tackle your decision-making process so that it has a beneficial impact on the world, please contact me through LinkedIn, D-A-W-N-A-H-J-O-N-E-S, it's the tag, and or through Twitter, which is E-P-D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones. Thank you for joining me.